0: I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Hello, everybody. For today's episode of the Vulnerability Podcast, I'm welcoming Mark Henshaw. He is a Canadian-born English literature and technology educator who is currently living in China, and he is going to share a lot of insight, and we'll have a lot of back and forth today, so I'm so excited to welcome him to the podcast.
1: Hi, my name is Mark Henshaw. I am a Canadian, and I am currently living in China Have for the last year. I recently actually stumbled upon uh, an article written by Marissa about women and their strength and that um, uh, basically uh, uh, a man with a healthy perspective who is in a relationship with a woman um, does not, is not threatened by uh, a strong woman. In fact, he is inspired by a strong woman. So I was inspired by that article. Um, and, uh, it's partially because I take huge fascination in, in matters related to relationships between, um, women and the rest of the world. Uh, my background is, uh, I have a master's thesis in, um, the issue of violence against women and engaging males with that. So there's a lot of things that I found very fascinating. So anyway, thank you very much Marissa, for having me here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm excited to have you on the podcast, and I'm excited just because you know you're reaching out to me. A lot of people, you know, we resonate with different things online, or we read something and we're like, "Oh, this is relatable," and we'll share it. But a lot of people don't take the time to reach out to the author. I mean, me included as a writer. You know, there's things that I read all the time that I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome." Um, but you know, in the moments where you kind of make those connections, it really starts to build something, and that's what I'm so excited about you know, having you on this podcast is just the conversations that we've had kind of off, you know, off screen or, you know, off the microphone have been so amazing. And I'm really excited to have you here to just kind of dive in and give my audience a piece of that as well.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it.
0: Awesome. All right. So you said you have a background in women's studies, um, that just your whole background, you know, your whole degree, everything that you've done up until this point was just really exciting because I think, one of the biggest kind of sort of an issue I have with contemporary feminism is that I think women feel so much obligation to be the ones that are doing it. And then we get kind of frustrated being like, well, we want, you know, men on our side too. So to see somebody that's like, hey, you know, I want to actively help this is really encouraging. So what, what got you interested in this? And what has been your experience with, you know, trying to identify as a feminist, but also being you know, a man and not being a woman? What's, what's that experience been like for you?
1: Well, I, thanks. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good question. And I, to answer the first part about kind of what inspired me to, to go down the path I did, it was really the relationship I had with my mother. Um, my mother would have never said, I'm a feminist. She would have never used the word feminist, not because she was against it, but because she didn't go, like she dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. um she didn't she didn't have the language she didn't she didn't have the education, but I think in a lot of ways, she showed a lot of strength and um and I think that uh her number one strength um was her ability to persist and to not give up and then the other thing though, you know uh that she taught me and our time together was uh just love, how to love, you know, and I think those two things really stuck with me so from there I've had massive influences in my life that were like seriously pivotal in shaping me in who I am as a person and those influences that I'm thinking of have all been women from my running coaches where I ended up running for team Canada um, at the world cross-country championships and distance running Uh, my my main coach was a woman my most aspiring teachers in school were women. Um, my, uh, my, my mentors, I have mentors to this day, uh, uh, one particular mentor I'm thinking of who is a woman as well. So just women have honestly just blown me away. And they've, like I said, they've seriously shaped how I think, how I act and how, I, how I've chosen to live my life. So, so that's kind of what got me into uh women's studies Mm -hmm. it would just seem like a very natural topic uh for me uh so
0: awesome yeah that's that's encouraging and then for the second part of that question just you know have you have you had any difficulty what's what's the experience been like as being somebody who's super passionate about this movement like do you feel like you've you've gotten a lot of support from women as you kind of like pursued these studies or has it been kind of opposition or can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, and I and I want to say that in my experience, a lot of my experience when it comes to women's studies, women's matters started in academia. Like mm-hmm. like before that it was relationships with with other women and conversations, but but in academia is where it really became clear to me like, oh, I, I am. I see myself as a feminist, and 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 I think this is really important to me. So, so I've had positive experiences, and I've also had experiences that have really pushed me back. But before I start, I want to say that the experiences that I've had that have been challenging to me as a as a man who identifies as a feminist are not the same, you know, not to be compared to, and do not diminish at all the experiences that women have had from the beginning of time when they've been fighting for their very rights to exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sound like at all that I'm again, diminishing women's experiences and frustrations they've had because women have carried, they've, they've sustained, they fought, they've, they've done so much for the women's movement and not just the women's movement for the human movement in so many ways. So I just kind of want to acknowledge that first. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah but to kind of get to your question positive things yeah like I mean I kind of alluded to that so many women in my life shaped me in a positive way so when I entered uh, the academic circle and I happened to write an article it was a it was analysis of Shakespeare's uh, Hamlet and I was looking at the hatred of women in Hamlet now the word is misogyny so I wrote about that though it was just no one told me to write about it. I just wrote about it. It was the first time I wrote an academic paper in my first year, I think of university and my and my professor was like, "Wow, like, yeah, your writing is disorganized, dis- 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 and you need to work on your you need to work on your citations, but like your ideas are really great, and you're really passionate about this." and She's like, you could do a master's. And I was like, what? You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. But I realized something. I realized I was very passionate about women's issues. So someone like uh, Erica Stevens-Abbott, who, um, who is actually still a mentor in my life, she was key in, in supporting and encouraging me to dig into these issues and to talk about them. So I, that's just one example of a very positive experience that launched me, though, into what became... Uh, seven years of women's studies in university and then when i got to my master's it continued um in terms of the not so positive side which 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 is i mean small but has had a significant impact and again in academia so when i was taking women's studies courses women's issues and stuff it wasn't really until i i went into a feminist studies class it was my first feminist studies class, specifically within the women's studies department. Um, and, uh, and I had a lot of pushback. And to summarize it, um, my thought was, okay, I'm going to do a master's thesis on trying to bring adolescent males to better understand the issue of violence against women, the mistreatment of women. Mm-hmm. I want to understand where they're at. I want to understand if they care about it. And I want to understand if they're going to do something about it. So when I introduced my topic to this very small group, so this is not generalizable at all, mm-hmm. a very small group of women, self-identified women, self-identified feminists in this class, I got a huge amount of pushback. And their, and their ultimate argument about my my thesis drive here was that, you know, um, you are giving men the red carpet. You're catering too much to their needs when the real problem here is women's issues, women's matters, women's concerns. So that was a small moment, but it was very pivotal because after that, I was hugely hesitant as to whether or not I was going to continue down this path of women's studies because I felt that I wasn't welcome in the environment uh, of women's studies in an academic sense, but it actually carried on into the public.
0: Mm -hmm. And what's what's interesting about that, and just to kind of play a devil's advocate here for a second, is, you know, Mm -hmm. as a woman and understanding, you know, trying to understand the perspectives of, you know, the the people in the class. Um, And like you said, you know, that we're not trying to make generalizations here. We're not trying to, you know, say that what, you know, one perspective is wrong or right. I think it's just the point of this podcast. And I think both of our hearts in this and coming to do this is just to really talk about these things openly, to be vulnerable and to kind of say, okay, you know, there's all these different perspectives, especially surrounding like what it really means to be a feminist and how can we work together to understand each other's perspectives and how can we kind of make change happen you know in these different environments and with these different feelings and situations so that being said playing a devil's advocate you know i can understand where these women kind of you know have the pushback where it's like okay here comes you know this man who's in this class who rather than you know focusing on the women and their feelings is gonna you know talk to the men and And, you know, and ask them their perspectives and, and, and in a way, you know, give them another platform to speak when that's not the point. And, you know, obviously, as you talk, that's, that's not the intent that you had, you know, going in. But I think it's interesting to kind of think about because it's like, okay, well, as a man, then what, what can you do? You know, like you were trying to take the perspective of, you know, let's make this, you know, an awareness to these young adolescents, you know, are they aware of this? Do they care, like you said, and what are they doing about it? And can they be involved more in caring about it? Um, So to me, that seems, you know, on one hand, it's like, okay, well, yeah, we are giving a voice to these, you know, adolescent males, but also, isn't that where change begins? You know, maybe, maybe not necessarily giving a platform for them to speak, but if they aren't made aware of it, and if there isn't some focus on who they are as men, and their role in this entire movement, and how they can change the way they see, you know, the opposite sex, well, then where do we start? Does that
1: make sense yeah 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 and you know and i'm going to respond to your first point about the pushback part like i I think it's it's a very good point like um and it's not like i had and i think one thing that needs to be established is it's not that i had it's not like i had established good personal relationships with the people in this group um and uh so like i think also if we had better understood each other then there might have been a different perspective but maybe not i don't know i'm just guessing um but, yeah, like I do understand that you know there's a guy he's here is a man taking over space in a space that should be a woman's space uh, is does he have the right intentions because like it's not at all a common experience like I've been in conferences and talks and classes, etc, around women's issues and women's matters, and I am one of the three percent of men that are in the room, and that is not at all to honk my horn. The point is that maybe sometimes um it's a, a kind of a shock when a man shows up like how do we handle it what do we say and and in this case it was like you know uh, the response was um yeah like why are we focusing on men we should be focusing on women you know to your point and i and i and i hear that and I, it's a valid point point. And, and but i think i think t- to the other point you made which was really great was where do we start okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: and One, I think, and I I know we talked about this before, I do want to focus more on solutions. One, I guess, observation I've made about the university system and especially with um, people who self-identify as more liberal thinkers is that, um, you know, people, people may try to come up with different solutions to a problem, you know, and I do recognize that sometimes there's well-intentioned ways of, doing something that could flat out be wrong. Mm -hmm. And because it might be because the oppressed group is not necessarily being considered in the solution. Therefore, it's actually the oppressive group that's coming up in the solution. So I understand that part. But I've heard sometimes solutions and seen this before uh, over, over the last like 10 years where somebody will come up with some kind of solution and it gets shot down. No, that's, that's not good enough. That's this, that's that, it's this, it's that. And there's always a problem. So my problem that I've observed with uh, you know, self-identified liberal-minded people in university circles is that there's always a problem, there's never a solution. And if you come up with a solution, it's not good enough, it's not going to work. And, and what I realized is that if you think about the nature of academia, academia is based on problems, right? You have to solve a problem. Business is the same way. But if you continue to have the problem and the problem never changes according to the way you've defined it, it's impossible to come up with a solution. So where do we start? I'm not the best person to answer that. I don't know who is. But can we at least start with what we have and then grow from there rather than just shutting it down and saying this isn't going to work? Because, like, again, like, how, how do we how do we ever change? How do we ever make progress? How do we ever benefit the people who need the benefits uh, the most?
0: Exactly. And, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking about, you know, my circles of women and, you know, my experience with being, you know, a feminist person and someone who writes about feminism and, and feeling that, you know, that in my core. Um, you know, some of the biggest, I would say, like, gripes with women and men is, you know, I, and I personally feel this way as well. It's like, you know, why aren't more men involved in, you know, this movement? Why aren't more men in my life, you know, identifying as feminists? Why aren't, you know, they active in, you know, how they can make change for women? You know, that's like a big thing. Everyone, most women I know, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I would say most women I know feel that way where it's like, we wish that men were more supportive or, you know, X, Y, and Z or really, you know, did things that supported how we were feeling and, and to work together. And then on the flip side of that, it's like, you know, this is what we want and yet how do we get that? Well, it starts by inviting more men into the circle and when inviting more men into the conversation, figuring out, you know, ways that men can help women and women can help men understand because it's like, like you said about wanting solution, you know, there's, there's problems, but what is the solution? And like you said, I don't think there's, I don't think A, I don't don't think there's an easy answer. And I don't think B, that like, you know, either one of us are trying to say, oh, this is what you do, you know, this is the foolproof way. But I think it's a lot about inviting people into the conversation and a lot more about openness. And even if, you know, things are coming off a certain way, you know, if, if I'm taking, you know, you coming into the class and saying, oh, I'm gonna talk to adolescent men and I, I'm in your class and I'm taking that the wrong way that's an opportunity for me, especially as a woman to say, okay, this is how this is being perceived by other women. This is where, you know, you could perhaps change your focus to make, you know, this group of people Mm. resonate with you and what you're trying to do, if that makes sense. So it's like, I think it just needs to be more conversations exactly like this where it's like, Hey, you know, this is where you're being biased or this is where you're not considering the perspective of women in your class or, hey, you know, as a woman, I need to step back and realize that my personal prejudice towards you because I feel like you're glorifying adolescent men might not be actually accurate. So it's like, you know, a little give and a little take, a little more vulnerability. And then I think you you nailed it when you said earlier, like having relationships with the people in your class. I mean, you're not going to have a relationship, a personal relationship with every person you meet or every person in your class, but I think that's a big part of it is when you try to meet somebody where they are and you try to understand their perspective, a lot of that is having a genuine interest in who they are as a person, understanding their struggle, trying to build some kind of personal connection that's meaningful because when we understand perspectives outside our own and we make those experiences meaningful to us, that's where we really get to see that other perspective and learn more about how we can work together rather than just moving forward with our ideas and our perspective of what we think is right. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and you know there's a lot of great insights that you made there and i'm going to try to try to jump with one that um stood out to me i just give me a moment to process (laughs) um i i i know what it's like to talk about this topic because you get passionate right and you want to you want to go so and again you said many great things um oh opening the door the open door concept yeah i mean Again, like, like we both agree, this is very complicated, and, and we both agree that there's many ways that we can approach this. There's never one way for anything, almost, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to human relationships. Human relationships are extremely complicated, but um, but in terms of kind of moving into the uh, segueing into the kind of like the solutions, you know, what, what can be done, like you said about opening doors, Okay. I do recognize, and a, a, an argument can be made that, okay, if somebody's so damaged by their experiences um, and, they're, and, and they're emotionally charged because of that, how can you expect that person to be open, to be receptive, to not be scared, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I acknowledge that. And my master's thesis actually looked at, um, you know, the stages of change, you know? So if, if, let's say hypothetically that a, we have a, a woman who is open and receptive and wants that positive, healthy relationships that happen between them and, and the rest of the world, um, they need to be at a certain stage of, of readiness in order to make that jump, you know, in order to make that step. So maybe if it's a person who has gone through some uh, abusive relationship, you know, physical, emotional, whichever, maybe she's not ready to open a door to somebody, especially to another man, even if it's a conversation as simple as, you know... Um, what is respect you know with between women and men um and 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 i respect that and i acknowledge that so in terms of the stage of change i think that people who want who can and are more likely to open the door whether it be men or women are people who um can um are emotionally ready to have that okay Mm -hmm. Um, whatever that looks like so opening the door is key for both women and for men. Though I think, like in terms of proportionality, because I do, I do not not exclusively, but I do ascribe to the the concept and the history and the reality that there's absolutely disproportionate, you know, uh, power between men and women in terms of the way men have and exercise power. Um, I recognize that. So because of that recognition I what I say I guess my advice to men and my advice to people is that men need to listen first and they need to listen to women's stories they need to listen to women's experiences they need to listen to the silence they need to listen to the body language the, the, the eye contact all these things and and by by listening and allowing space for a woman's presence to be You know, kind of connecting to your article about women's strength should be a man's inspiration. You know, if a man is allowing that space by not trying to do anything or control anything, but listen, I think that's probably the most simple and practical advice that I could give men in terms of what I feel that men are responsible to do in order to mend, repair, build, and grow positive, healthy platonic you know like just basic relationships
0: yeah and I think that that's so simple but it's so powerful because I feel personally that as a woman it's like you know there's this perspective I have that's kind of almost like a bitter one and it's like you know it's not my responsibility to teach you men how to treat me and the people around me it's not my job to you know Be the one, you know, you should know. You should inherently know certain things about respect and about, you know, how to treat other people and how to respect boundaries and how to listen. And like you said, things like body language, you know, things like that, like it shouldn't have to be explained. And if I feel Mm -hmm. like I have to explain it to you, you know, and I'm not speaking to you, Mark, but just, you know, in general, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. explain this to you, you know, that, that defeats the whole purpose. It's more about you need to know, because this is, this is like a common human respect. But then Mm -hmm. at the same time, if there's not a space for that teaching, then I don't think, you know, beyond like the basic, you know, basic things, like if someone says no, you know what that means, I don't think that needs to be taught. But I'm just talking about, you know, there's such a responsibility that I think women carry where it's like, oh, we feel like we have to, do all this stuff and it's like no we shouldn't you should meet us where we are and you should understand and you should fight alongside us for the things that we believe in um and i think what you just said here just kind of releases that weight it's like you know it's not my responsibility as a woman it's your responsibility as a man to kind of meet me here but then it's also my responsibility as a woman to join you and not stand in opposition all the time if you are showing up and you're saying you know I want to help and here I am and I'm giving you space how can I help you know then it also should be more of a working together and you you mentioned my article and um the article the the context of the article is all about you know as a woman like I don't need my strength to kind of like I don't need to be stronger than you and men don't need to be stronger than women. It needs to be, you know, how can we make one another strong? How can our strength like in different ways build each other up as opposed to, you know, I, you know, being a strong woman, well, I, you know, I should intimidate you. It's like, it's not about that. It's not about my strength as a woman shouldn't intimidate a man. It should be welcomed and encouraged just as, you know, I want to, as a woman, encourage and welcome the, the men in my life for the ways that they are different than me and working together for those relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as I'm listening to you, I, I also what also comes to mind is, you know, uh, very, very, uh, long held gender norms. Like when you say a woman's strike should not make oh. a man feel Uh, intimidated, or scared, or worried, or whichever, it should be actually an opportunity for growth for both of them, or both their strikes and connect, though, you know, I do agree with the idea, and and with the uh, historical backing on this, that women in strength is not always even recognized, right, Mm -hmm. and then when women's strength happens, and it's recognized by a man, they may think, oh, that's not appropriate for your gender. You know, you shouldn't be doing that, right? But, I mean, the, the, the gender thing can become a massive separate discussion. Um, but I just kind of yeah. wanted to make that point that, like, um, I just want to make that point. But, I mean, I think, I think we can move past that. So, like, in terms of, uh, unless you want to do another podcast about something else like that, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like uh, you said that uh, about, about listening, you know, uh, people need to listen, yes, and, but people also need to understand basic things, yes. Okay, um, and um, and I think that I and I, I say listen because it's really simple, but perhaps a better word is observe, because through observing, you're listening, you're looking, you're hearing, you're 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 smelling, like you're using all your senses through observation, and it's a lot easier to understand somebody when you observe them, right? And moreover. Actions. Well, what actions is the person doing? And then observe their actions and be okay. So that's how they operate. That's how they live. Like you you kind of become a detective in a way, you know, where you can just pay attention. And um, and I think I think it's a start. I think it's the start. Um, but uh but it's definitely not nearly the end. And a hundred percent there needs to be accountability from men um in terms of you know, certain things should just be known. Now that is, I think, our agreed upon um, perspective that like, yes, certain things should just be known. And I've heard this from so many women so many times, like, they should just understand. They should just get it. And I a hundred percent agree. Okay. I do. Um, Something that we brought up and (laughs) we'll go as far into this as we want. (laughs) Um, And then, um, and then again, if we want to come back to more like kind of tangible solutions, we can do that. But um, so we have, the ideal that everyone in the world should treat each other equally in terms of respect, um, as at a basic level, that's, I think, an ideal that I, I, I strive, you know, we all make mistakes, but you know, I strive to hold. Then there's the other, um, ideology and reality about, you know, as I was saying, like patriarchy and, and the oppressiveness of that. So when you have a culture that's completely drowning in, terrible ways of treating people and it gets validated because of that that culture which is a global culture in, in different ways um, that is an extremely powerful force right mm-hmm. so we want equality we also want to disrupt patriarchy and change that um, how, do we, how do we how do we meet those two things together though how do we kind of come to a middle ground and, and that's where it does get complicated. I mean, who's responsible? Well, I mean, the reality is we're all responsible. Men are responsible. Women are responsible. We're all responsible. But I do, I do acknowledge that. I think, again, going back to my previous point, men have a special opportunity to listen, to observe, and then to take action in positive ways, to take self-ownership. Okay, That's what I've been trying to do. Okay? I've also done these, this studying, and not just studying, but I've applied a lot of these things in my life because mm-hmm. I'm trying to take ownership. I'm trying to recognize that I am a person, I'm, I, make, I make mistakes all the time, and, and specifically with the ways we can better treat women as men, I think that's something that, well, I, I know, like I've gone, I've gone to counseling about this stuff, about particular situations. I've done my masters, I've done my women's studies research. I surround myself by 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 women who can teach me a lot. So that's what I try to do. But um, but yeah, so so I do agree that there needs to be a degree of self-ownership, and I think especially for men. Um and but I think it starts with questions, it starts with observations and things like that, but it doesn't end there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know we talked about this off the off the podcast, but just um, if you were to recommend maybe a place for people to start, men or women, do you have any recommended reading or anything like that that we could give people to take away? And we could also drop the links, you know, when we post the podcast so that people can kind of have that, like this as a resource. Do you have anything that offhand you would recommend just to kind of help get started?
1: Yeah, I will make some recommendations, although I will be honest. I'm going to give a kind of like a high level of what those recommendations are. And then I will specifically give those resources to people through the link. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because there's a few I still kind of want to sift through. But basically, I think, I think you know, if, if, you know, I'm not sure exactly the demographic of the listeners of this podcast, but if they're between the ages like of 20 to 40, okay, uh, and potentially more women than men, um, but maybe some men are out there listening too. I think like at this point in our lives, we need to kind of look back at our history, we need to look back at our, our upbringing, and we need to ask ourselves, what is a healthy relationship?? Okay, So this is the concept that I, I just want I want to nail, and then I will direct resources in the links. But like, I don't know when we talked about this, you said, "Oh, you like romantic relationships? like no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, what is a healthy? interaction, relationship between two Mm -hmm. people. doesn't matter, man, woman, daughter, child, sister, whatever. Okay. And those things fall on for me. And from what I've researched, respect, trust, you know, um, open communication, uh, a willingness to learn from the other person, uh, a willingness to be wrong, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think, I mean, uh, I've, i think one concept is again about do we recognize as a society what is healthy in terms of how we should be treated and how we should treat people okay what are the basics that everyone needs to operate on okay so i will definitely direct you some resources to that now the other thing though maybe we're not all ready for that you know maybe there's something we need to go a little let's back up a bit okay what about the relationship with ourself the most important relationship, I think, you know, in a human, in a human reality, Mm -hmm. what is the most important relationship? Well, it's with you. Like, do you love yourself? Do you care for yourself? Do you trust yourself? Do you listen to yourself? You know, uh, when you have problems, how do you deal with those problems? Because the way we treat ourselves shapes the way we see the world. So if we treat ourselves poorly in an area of our lives, it may be also okay to treat someone else like that without even thinking about it. It's not that it's malicious intent, it's that you might do something to others as you do unto you, right? Right. And um, so, so yeah, like, so I think um, maybe to be a little more specific, okay? So I guess summarizing a bit there healthy relationships, what are they? Okay. And then, and then in that, you know, relationship with yourself, what, what is a healthy relationship within yourself? You know, again, trust, love, respect, all those things. And I think um, aside from knowledge, because I mean, yes, I do have a bias to reading and, and stuff, <laughs> yeah. but aside from knowledge, what, what, what can be done? So another thing I would recommend, you know, and it's been said before, it's nothing new. But I, I do it myself, Mindfulness Practice. So there's a free app, and I will say its name because I, do, I can think of it right now. It's called Stop, Breathe, Think. You can get it in America, Canada, anywhere in the world, or if you're in China with VPN. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, and, and it, it is, a, it is a, uh, a self-guided meditation app that you, there's a voice, and it, it walks you through meditations. It's a free app. And, and it's really cool. It checks in on your emotional state before and after you do the meditation. Why am I talking about mindfulness in relation to relationships and self-love?
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: because we need to identify the problem before we can actually try to approach it and come up with a solution. Mindfulness enables us and teaches us, you know, through experience to listen to our heartbeat, to listen to our breath to be aware of our physical existence. That's where it begins. That's a very basic, basic mindfulness. So once we do that, it can then have a ripple effect, okay? Once we start listening to ourselves, we can then observe ourselves. We can then observe our action towards other people, the way we treat women, the way men treat women, the way women treat their friends, and et cetera, et cetera. So mindfulness, again, gives us that ability to stop, to quote the app, to stop, to breathe, and to think. And when you give yourself space to think and trying to clear your mind, and you try to live that way, not just in those moments of mindfulness meditation, but through your through your day, you become more aware of your surroundings, you become more, more aware of yourself, Become more aware of other people, so I think that is a very t- practical and tangible purpose as to why I encourage meditation, which is a thousands and thousands year old ritual, in the, mm-hmm. and that has been done through through Asian culture and other cultures, starting there, and then at the same time, if you're going to read about what is healthy relationships, try to combine those two things, and then I, and then then challenge yourself like, okay, how can I be a better listener today? How can I and and these books that I'm going to refer you to. Life will direct you to that. How you can do it—very tangible ways, not just like abstract.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because, like you said, that that self-awareness and that self-practice. You know, we don't when we think about like you know making a difference. Sometimes it's like, oh, it seems like such a big overarching concept, but it really does start with each of us individually. Because you know, the only thing you can truly control is your own mindset, your own actions. So if you can be able to you know, focus on those things within yourself, then that's kind of where that starts is, you know, working on yourself, working on what you can change. And hopefully, like you said, creating that ripple effect by how you, you know, are putting that energy out into the world to be a better observer, listener, and person and human.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, this is a bit of a, this might sound like a tangent, but it's very much connected. I was reading a law book one day, and it was just about the foundation of Canadian law. And the first thing it said is that law is um, is a kind of a process that tries to balance the individual and society. And I thought that was really smart and it made me think of so many things. And if you go back to what you just said and what we've been talking about, about mindfulness and self-awareness and and how our actions affect other people, isn't that life? Yeah, Life is a balance between ourselves as individuals, our existence, our impacts in the world, and then again, how that impacts the world and our society around us. And it's this never ending exchange, this give and take, uh, you know, and there's, and there's so many ways you can look at it, but I just think, um, yeah, you know, I do think it starts with us, though. I do acknowledge that we have different traumas and experiences and, and scars. And that may affect our ability to, to, so, so in that sense, if you're an individual like myself, I've gone through a lot of scars and traumas in my life, you know, I need to self heal. So again, that awareness may also give you the opportunity to self heal to ask yourself, what do I really need in my life? What do I need to heal? So I can be a better person to myself. And then if the other factor comes, which is how you treat other people, then that's a bonus.
0: Absolutely. No, this has just been, this has been awesome to kind of talk about these different perspectives. And I know we said we were going to talk about specific resources, but I think actually it might be better if we just drop the links in there and then people can kind of browse at their leisure. But, you know, I just, I appreciate your insight Mm -hmm. and I appreciate your vulnerability and just coming on here and talking about these things and, you know, really sharing your perspective because I do know that sometimes the feminist world can be kind of hard on men and, you know, as a woman, like I acknowledge that, but I also, you know, I understand why that is. And so it just means a lot to have you on here and to have you, you know, really be here and share your insight into this conversation, because I don't think it's just a conversation for women. I think it needs to start with relationships and connections and, you know, self-awareness and all of these things that we talked about. And so I just want to just thank you for your time and for being on here. And, you know, we mentioned a couple other huge topics and I'd be interested in, in bringing you back and talking about some of those things again, if you didn't mind.
1: <laughs> hey, this is just a great conversation between two people. And, I uh, thank you, uh, for, for your graciousness. And, um, and I know I mentioned this before and I'll do it, I'll try to do it very shortly. Uh, um, in spite of the struggles that I may have faced in terms of my, my trying to understand and, and, in better the world of relationships between men and women women who almost if i had to make a simple argument will always take up until my understanding of today the the majority of the burden of the emotional burden and and the other factors to fight for their existence for equality for all these things so like again i need to acknowledge that i need to continue to acknowledge that so anything I experience is probably just a portion of what a woman experiences every day in terms of the challenges of this whole situation. So there will be tension, there will be challenges, but that doesn't mean we can give up. Right. And, and, and I will constantly be learning and I will constantly realize where I'm wrong and and where I can fix things. So, so yeah, I know. Thank you for, for allowing me to be here and in this space. And, um, yeah, I guess my motto is I don't know anything, but I, but I learn things. So I hope that, I mean, I know I've learned a lot from this conversation. So yeah. I hope maybe I, I've shared some, some value with other people as well.